Ministry Bits, episode 015, recorded May 8th, 2014. Daniel Howell equals tech awesomeness. Ministry Bits is proud to be a part of the AIM network of podcasts. You can find more information about that at adventuresinministry.com. You can also listen to this show directly within the Adventures in Ministry app that you can find on the iTunes Store and Google Play stores. Show notes for this episode can be found at chatl.co slash mbits slash 015. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ministrybits and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash ministrybits. Good morning, afternoon, or evening. You may delete as appropriate. Welcome to the Ministry Bits Podcast. I am Chad Lemon here, your host, and we have a special guest with us today, Daniel Howell. He is the preacher at the Sweetwater Church of Christ in Sweetwater, Tennessee, and he's also, and he wears many hats here, he's also the Director of Information Technology at the Southeast Bible Institute and uh, or maybe I'm not saying that correctly. The Southeast. I, I tried to say it, but I it's, still it's, messed it up, didn't I, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's it's a long name. Southeast Institute of Biblical Studies. Southeast Institute of Biblical Studies. Okay. Here to four after known simply as Southeast. Southeast. Okay. Yes. So, uh, Daniel, how are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Just uh, enjoying my day off as much so as I can. Somehow, though, I always manage to get sucked into my office on my day off. So, one way or the other. I'm sure that's how it goes some days, and glad some some days you don't, some days you do. Right. Well, I'm glad I enjoy doing what I do, so that makes it a lot more bearable. That's that's absolutely true. Well, we appreciate you coming on uh, the show here on your day off and, uh, yeah. and spending uh, half an hour with us talking about uh, tech and different things in ministry and the ways that you... And I'm really excited to talk to you about stuff because you're the director uh, of IT there at the at Southeast, and... Uh, you're also a preacher, but we're going to talk about both of these today. So let's kind of start off. Um, what is your kind of philosophy on on technology with the church, even even in your uh, IT job? What what is what is your kind of your philosophy? Well, I think that first and foremost, you do need to have some kind of a philosophy because you need to have some kind of a guiding principle for why you make the decisions that you do to use technology, where you use it, how you use it what your goals are when you do use it and uh, you know I've got two basic overarching mottos I guess for myself the first one is the the what has been called the KISS principle just keep it simple mm -hmm. uh, the more complex things get uh, the more likely not only are they to break but they also create a dependency uh, on the operator so for instance you know get too far into building a website or things like that with a congregation uh, if I build it sure I can build it in Muse or something like that which I'll talk about more later uh, but uh, you know that's gonna tie it to me so uh, use the simplest types of things possible to be able to uh, to do things and and get done what it is that you need to get done because ultimately we're not about playing with technology we're about using it for the best that we can 
And uh, not only that, the second thing is don't overdo what it is that you're doing. Uh, don't develop a technology dependency. It's at the point where you have to have technology in order to do what it is that you're doing uh, that uh, you, you have a serious problem. Of course, there are, and that'll, that'll make more sense as we go along. There are things that obviously you have to have technology yeah, for of course, if you're yeah. building a website or streaming video, but, mm -hmm. but more in your ministry itself, uh, don't build a dependency on technology in preparing your lessons or in contact with people or things like that. As long as you don't have that dependency, then you can keep it in the right perspective and it will do you good instead of doing you harm. And after all, you know, it has only been the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years that we've really used uh, these devices and apps and different things to do our preaching. The, the Internet's really only been around in its current form for the last 15 years or so. So uh, what would you say is kind of the main, uh, very quickly here, what, what is the difference between when you started in ministry and when, uh, what, it, what it looks like now in ministry to use technology in ministry? I guess the biggest thing is that, uh, of course, the iPad has come along, the iPhone has uh, come along and really advanced in the last several years since I've, I've been in ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of companies that were startups have really come along, and there's some new things that are out there now that weren't just weren't options or out there before. And so a lot of things that I did before involved either hacks or uh, just simply weren't even possible. And uh, now there are a lot more specialized services, a lot more options for things than there were. And uh, the good part of that is that I don't have to spend as much time trying to figure things out or trying to make things work when it comes to what it is that I want things to do. Uh, for instance, streaming video uh, is one big thing that has changed in the last, uh, just in the last couple of years mm -hmm. especially. Exactly. Uh, and uh, we wouldn't have been able to do go. what we're doing right now right. without streaming video, without Google Hangouts, and 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 different things like that. So uh, that was unheard of ten or fifteen years ago, uh, right. and because of the internet. So there's there's a lot more useful things I think out there now. Instead of trying to fit something into your ministry, and that's that's another thing that is part of the the keeping it simple. Don't try to make because this is what I've done in the past. I've tried to make technology fit into my ministry and let, instead of trying to benefit my ministry, work with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there's a, a big difference between the two because sometimes you end up doing things or, or trying to do things that you really don't even have to do or need to be doing mm -hmm. uh, just to, to be able to use this certain app or just to be able to use this certain device. Uh, and that's, again, don't that creates a dependency. Yep. If you're not careful, so uh, that's that's one of the biggest things that's changed is there's a lot more that's been developed just in the last several years that makes it easier, I think, for even more people to jump on board and and begin using uh, certain technological advancements in their own ministry. Very cool. Well, one of the big things in ministry is um, is le preparing lessons. What do you right. do for lesson prep, and what do you use for your lesson prep? Let's get into some of the, some of the nitty gritty and the workflows here. Um, what what do you use? Well, I would you know love to say that I've got eighteen different apps and I've got this forty seven step workflow, <laughs> but uh, that's really not the way that it is. Again, that's the the keep it simple uh, principle about things. Basically, uh, everything that I do from the standpoint of preparing a lesson starts with my physical paper Bible. 
Uh, I've for a few years tried, and this is again where I said don't try to fit technology into your ministry, just let it complement it. Mm -hmm. I tried to make my Bible be at first uh, Kindle Fire when they first came out. That worked great, sort of. And uh, then I got an iPad uh, and uh, started using Olive Tree, and I would preach out of that, and uh, it was great. It's very convenient, but uh, the as studies have shown, and as some of you have probably seen or heard, uh, the one disadvantage to having digital text or you know any kind of digital anything like that, uh, as it um, contrasting that with a book, is that you don't remember it as well. Mm. And because uh, you've got the physicality factor of where the text is located on a page, uh -huh. how far in the book you are, and those are cues to your brain to help you remember things. And because uh, it's an extra sense in your body that's connected to that memory. So with text that can constantly change position and move around, uh, I've, I've basically ditched using my iPad as a Bible for that reason, because I started realizing I wasn't remembering half the stuff I needed to remember. So it starts with that. Uh, so I've got my, my paper Bible, got a, a nice Cambridge that I just bought recently, Pitt and Minion, love it, goat skin cover, great. So then from there, I still don't get into technology quite yet. Uh, everything that I think goes into a uh, notebook that I have that's uh, a little, uh, kind of like a I bought it at Walmart, but it looks like one of the Moleskine notebooks. You okay. Know, it's a knockoff because it's half the price. <laughs> and uh, so I scribble ideas and notes and things into that. And it's not until I have actually handwritten things on a page, because again, uh, handwriting things forces me to really think about what it is that I'm writing down. Then technology comes into play. Because first and foremost, you know, I'm trying to apply these things to myself, I'm trying to work through these things myself. And I'm trying to, you know, apply what you read in Psalm 119 and verse 11, uh, hide God's word in my own heart and what it is that I'm doing. So after that, then the, the technology really helps in, in the preparation side of things. Uh, for instance, I've just recently started using Accordance Bible software because that's what predominantly is used at Southeast, and I've got to teach that the first quarter of this fall. So uh, I've started using it so as to, uh, I was a Logos user before that, but uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying Accordance because it's a little bit snappier on a Mac. Uh, it doesn't quite have the same feature set, but I'm, I'm figuring out my workarounds in it. So I'll go through it, and I'll do my language studies, and then I'll do uh, any commentary information, dictionaries, lexicons, all that kind of stuff that I, I want to do. And again, I'll have my little notebook there open next to it, and I'll handwrite those things down as I go through it. Then from there, I move into, and I've, I've started using this uh, just in the last several months and uh, renewed my interest just recently in using it, uh, an app called Scrivener. Uh, if, you are, if you know who Michael Whitworth is, uh, any of our listeners, mm -hmm. uh, that's, he's actually the one who I'd seen it before. I talked to him about it, but he uses it, I think, for most of his writing on all of his yeah. uh, start-to-finish books. Scrivener, I and, found, uh, is excellent for writing. Any kind of writing project, right. large or small, it's excellent. Right. And then, you know, the thing I like about Scrivener, because it's really designed for long-form writing, and I, I will write a manuscript, again, just for the sake of forcing myself to think about it. I'm, I may not preach off that manuscript. I may, most of the time, I preach from memory. But uh, I will write that manuscript just simply to force myself to go through all those thoughts. And Scrivener helps because uh, it allows you to work through 
uh, thoughts starting with just a uh, like a note card view. So you can put out your main points that you want to put out in the note card and put a synopsis of each one and then from there I start building it out and then eventually I will compile that entire uh, writing that I've done and I'll put it in a Word document and that's what I actually save. I don't save the script in the files and uh, print that out if I want to do that and proof it and uh, so that that's where a lot of my writing goes on. So really the only two technology related items I use are Accordance and Scrivener uh, because I've used more stuff in the past. I've got a lot of apps for things like that but the problem I kept running into is I would either forget to use a certain app or I would spend so much time just trying to figure out how to use an app to the best of my ability that I didn't actually do what I was supposed to be doing which was preparing to preach. Yeah, exactly. So that's, uh, that's again getting away from that technology dependency and, uh, and keeping things simple. But uh, then from there, I do my PowerPoint for uh, my lesson. And uh, I use Keynote to do that uh, because uh, here we've got a, uh, I say PowerPoint, but I mean Keynote, obviously. Uh, we have an Apple TV in our auditorium, and so I use my iPad for my presentations because sometimes I'll preach from the floor, and uh, it's just easier to have that to uh, to move wherever it is I need to there on the pulpit, and uh, so I'll I'll use Keynote to put my presentations together. Sometimes I'll put some extra notes into the notes section on that, but uh, again I try to keep it pretty simple. Uh, and I, you know while I'm talking about Keynote and that too, uh, one of the things I really like about Keynote and the Apple TV combination that we have is that uh, the Keynote app is designed by default to bring up the presenter view mm -hmm. whenever you use the Apple TV. So I can view the slide I've got now or I can view the slide I have up now and the next slide which is useful. And I uh -huh. use it most of the time there's just a, to see where I'm going. There's a timer well, on it as well. Timer on it. There's really a clock. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, they've, they've added drawing tools so I can draw and highlight and uh, they're a little digital laser pointer mm -hmm. that I can use. So if I put a map or something in Keynote then I can uh, use the little laser pointer to point out uh, exactly where it is that I'm, I'm pointing. So I use that when I'm actually speaking and most of the time it's just me, uh, my iPad running Keynote and my Bible in the pulpit and just keep it as simple as I possibly can. But uh, you know I write two lessons a week most weeks with the exception of the third Sunday nights here we have a singing and, uh, and eat after that. We eat a lot here in Sweetwater, by the way. <laughs> but uh, we just ate this last Monday night, so uh, I know we got another meal coming up soon. I don't. The next week. I don't see the. Uh, I don't see the problem here, Daniel. I, no, I, that's not a problem. <laughs> but uh, but that you know those to me because I've tried a whole lot of different things. Those are the things that I just keep coming back to because I can. I can easily replicate every single week what it is I'm going to do. There's some stability in that, and I don't have to worry about uh, what it is I'm doing or how it is that I'm doing. Yeah, and, and and a workflow doesn't have to have 18 or you know 20 steps to make it work. You know, if you've got a two or three step workflow where you take, for instance, you take your stuff from Scrivener and put it into Word, that's that's what works for you, and that's simple. And and those are phenomenal, great apps. And you know, Word, both of those actually. Um, apps that are kind of in the news right now. Scrivener is coming out with an iPad app. They're actively developing it, so that should, would make it more portable and, and better right there. Right. And then you've obviously got the, the Office apps, that which have come to iPad, and, and those are actually 
the first, I hate to say it, but it's the first great thing I think Microsoft has done in years, you know, and those apps are absolutely great, you know. It only took them three or four years yeah. to get around to putting it on iPad. So. Yeah, and it only took them about, you know, a change of a CEO to, to make that happen right. as well, too. So. Right. But, uh, yeah, so you uh, you have the, a very simple uh, a very simple um, kind of workflow there for your lessons. Let's talk about, uh, you've got websites down here. What do you use uh, um, for uh, creating, you mentioned websites several different times. What do you create and use to manage those websites? Well, th this is where things get a little bit more technical because I I try to keep things simple and just what it is I know that I've got to do from a teaching standpoint. But mm -hmm. uh, I've just recently, just in the last month, uh, got a Creative Cloud membership for the whole Creative Cloud. I've had a Photoshop membership for a while, but uh, Adobe Creative Cloud is really, really, really neat, especially as uh, for having the, uh, the uh, educational discount that I'm able to get working at the school mm -hmm. uh, for $19.99 a month I have every app basically that Adobe uh, were was selling in their uh, creative suite before so it's all Photoshop Illustrator InDesign and Dreamweaver and all those kinds of things and one new app that they've just come out in the last couple of years is called Muse and uh, you'll have to look it up if you get a chance I love just Google Muse. love it and uh, so that's M U S E, by the way, for our listeners, right. Adobe M U S E Muse. And uh, the neat thing about it is that it allows you basically, and the kind of interface like what you have in InDesign, you can lay out a website exactly like you want it. Uh, it's got some functionality that you can add with widgets and menus and uh, and a lot of different things. Uh, you can paste HTML code directly into it, and it automatically, for instance, if you want to embed a YouTube video on a page. You just grab the embed code from underneath the video. You just paste it right onto the page, and Muse automatically detects what it is, and it creates the the video preview right there for you. And you can move it around on the page wherever you need to put it. And uh, so I, I use Muse now for more static things because one of the downsides to Muse is that it does not have a blogging feature, which I do not understand. Yeah, why and I've, I've noticed Adobe that as well. Uh, so my workaround for that is uh, WordPress, which is what I use for a long time. And uh, for both here at Sweetwater and the uh, school, I have a subdomain set up. I don't have it uh, actually constructed for Sweetwater, so if you go and look for it, you're not going to find anything. But uh, for the school, for instance, our website is wedopreaching.com. But if you go, it's www.wedopreaching.com. I mentioned the www. because the blog is blog.wedopreaching.com, and that uh, subdomain is routed directly to a WordPress installation that we have on our server, and so that's where the uh, the more dynamic content would be. For instance, keeping people up to date with news items, and I'm planning on eventually adding a podcast and things like that. So we get the RSS functionality through uh, WordPress. And uh, all the plugins and things you can use there. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, the one I actually use for my own personal website right now, uh, mdanielhowell.com, is Squarespace. I've Love used them Squarespace. in the past. And they, uh, you know, I don't want to spend forever. I can code stuff, but I really don't want to do that. Exactly. It takes to. way too much time, doesn't right. it? Right. And so uh, Squarespace, for I think I've got the $8 a month deal right now, That's they, uh, as well. they take care of the hosting. I've got my domain name mapped to uh, my Squarespace account, 
and I can get on there and set up pages, as many blogs as I want, and things like that. So that's where my blog resides and, and other information about me. And uh, the other thing that I use quite a bit, uh, and I actually used to use this to try to write lessons, but it just really didn't do everything I needed it to do. There's an app called Ulysses. It's U-L-Y-S-S-E-S. -S -S -E -S. Yes, it is a and, very good writing app for the, uh, for the Mac. Right. It will... Uh, it is like Scrivener for web design, mm -hmm. basically, at least the way that I think of it, because it lets you write in Markdown, which I think you've talked about before, probably, uh -huh. Uh -huh. at uh, some point. And uh, the advantage to that is I can very quickly write something down. I can create different sheets and then compile them like I can in Scrivener, and uh, then take that, and I can export it as HTML code. I can export it as Markdown, because, for instance, Squarespace will let me import Markdown. And uh, you know, you say, well, why, why would you care about that? Well, if you actually would like to use some extra functionality, for instance, like footnotes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can do footnotes, do that uh, markdown code for it, and then bring that into Squarespace, and you actually have functional hot-linked uh, footnotes. And you just copy and paste into Squarespace, and it takes it as it is. It's it's, it's right. marvelous. So uh, I, I use that because it can also be used as just to simply write plain text and things like that, which is what you generally, if you're building a website, you want to write it in plain text, mm -hmm. not in Word or something like that where you drag a bunch of extra uh, junk trash and, code. And along. the companion app to that is Daedalus Touch. Yes, right? that's the iPad app that uh, it doesn't have all the functionality, but uh, anything that you put in that folder in Ulysses, you can actually view in Daedalus and uh, so you can create sheets there and I use it basically as a scratch pad if I come up with an idea or something and I've just got my iPad I'll uh, tap that out on my iPad as a start and I can pick up with it in Ulysses later on mm -hmm. and uh, maybe even if it's big enough I just go ahead and transfer it on into Scrivener but uh, if it's something I want to actually write a lesson for or something but uh, those are the the biggest things of course Photoshop I use for web design uh, Illustrator I'll use for different things. Uh, I use Lightroom a lot too for photography because uh, I, I used to do a lot of photography, had a photography business and uh, Lightroom is a huge time saver in cataloging images and tagging them and doing mass edits and things like that and that's part of the Adobe uh, Creative Cloud mm -hmm. suite as well but, uh, but all those things go into uh, the web design side of things. Very cool. So your your job, your other job, I guess that you have that you spend a couple of days a week with, is the uh, IT. You're the, basically the information technology manager there at Southeast. What uh, right. specific things? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Uh, what what specific kind of things are you using there? What kind of equipment are you using there? Well, uh, kind of my role there at Southeast. If you, you ask anybody that works there, wear a lot of hats at Southeast because it's a smaller school. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm the director of information technology, but uh, I'll also be teaching classes and things like that uh, starting this fall. And uh, so my r domain basically is anything technology related at the school, uh, whether it be websites, also on the graphical side of things, uh, so any video production or flyers or things like that that we do outside of the, uh, the messenger that gets sent out. Uh, Jody Apple still works on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, also the technology that we're using in the classrooms and other things that are exciting that are coming up uh, that we're going to be able to do too. So uh, 
as far as the things that we use at Southeast, uh, first of all, and I've already mentioned the website, mm -hmm. uh, wedopreaching.com. Uh, it's built through Muse. It's still a work in progress. Uh, because, I'm sitting here looking uh, at it, and it, it, you say work in progress. It looks like a pretty complete site to me. So Well, <laughs> there's a lot. I've got a lot more left that I want to do exactly. to it from a design perspective and things like that. So, uh, but, uh, and and but when you're talking about web design, just a little side note, I guess, talking about web design, you're never really finished with a, with a, no. with a website, are you? You don't no. ever just get it done and say it's done. You're always tweaking things, adding new things, making sure that right. it works on different machines, stuff like that. So right. yeah, you're never, you're never fully done if you ever get into web design. If you actually finish your website, then you probably need to get a new job. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. But, uh, you know, and then the blog is part of that. And I, I administrate those things in, in any side of technology uh, that uh, we do on the web. But the other thing is that's kind of exciting. For instance, in our classrooms, uh, and this is a credit to Jody Apple because he actually set these things up. But uh, in our classes, we have some huge televisions mounted uh, in the front of the room. We don't use projectors. Uh, we have these televisions. Uh, plasma screens, and so uh, hooked to those are a Mac Mini and an Apple TV, and so for and there's there's also lest I forget a uh, a webcam that's got a pan tilt zoom feature on it that's in that room. So if any of our instructors are off campus for whatever reason, for instance, this week two of our instructors were actually gone doing gospel meetings. Uh, which is a hazard of being a preacher. Mm -hmm. So uh, they uh, they actually taught their classes from uh, from offsite, but we're able to do that in the classroom through uh, go to meeting. We're probably going to switch over eventually to Google Hangouts or something like that since it's free. But uh, you know, we've got the webcam there in the in the classroom and run that through the Mac Mini, and the instructors can carry on even if they're in uh, Haiti. You know, if they can find an internet connection there. Wow. So. Uh, you know, the uh, the classrooms are really neat. Of course, with the Apple TV, the instructors can use their uh, iPads or their MacBooks or whatever, and they can airplay things over the uh, screens, which makes it really nice to just walk into a classroom, open up your iPad, and, and go instead of having to worry about thumb drives and VGA oh, yes. cables, mm -hmm. adapters, and stuff like that. And... Uh, the other thing is, and this is something that's coming up, and I hope I'm not speaking... Uh, too far in advance, but uh, starting in the fall, since Southeast has now uh, been granted permission to offer a Bachelor of Biblical Studies, uh, that's being offered to any former students who would like to upgrade their degree. And we're doing that through an online distance learning system that's going to go into place in the fall. Uh, and uh, there are other uh, schools that have used it. For instance, uh, Heritage uses this system uh, called Tegrity that we're going to start using mm -hmm. in uh, in the fall and it's a really neat lecture capture system uh, streams as well which will allow our instructors to teach in the live classroom with as little disturbance as possible but all of that is captured and uh, goes up to the cloud for the guys who are learning from the distance side of things from wherever it is they might happen to be and there's a ton of really neat features it's uh, called Tegrity, T-E-G-R-I-T-Y, and uh, hopefully our, our hope is to expand some of those things out in the future. I can't go into any specifics on that, but uh, you know that's another huge uh, component to what we're trying to do at Southeast and uh, put in some distance learning. Um, lots, lots of potential in that area for right. um, smaller colleges. I know Heritage has done a lot with that and uh, lots of potential in that area. Right. Really cool. And, uh, 
they're in the auditorium at Carnes too. One of the other big things that we've got, and Carnes uses this every Sunday, and for their uh, services. But uh, we've got a three-camera robotic camera set up that just just installed it in February, and uh, runs through a Blackmagic switcher, uh, television switcher. It is high definition system that uh, allows them to do live streaming through YouTube, and which I'll talk about more in just a moment. Okay. But uh, that's uh, the other thing that uh, is uh, going on there. Uh, I mentioned that to say this. I don't know when this podcast will go live, but uh, it really doesn't matter unless you want to watch it live. But uh, for instance, this coming Monday and Tuesday, May the 12th and 13th. Uh, Dan Winkler will be at Southeast, and we will be live streaming him teaching about the Epistles of John. Very cool. This show will actually go live tomorrow, so uh, this will go live Excellent. Friday and May 9th. So that's when we're gonna you're gonna be hearing it. So great, yeah. So uh, people can go to wedopreaching.com slash live stream, and uh, they can uh, tune in there and watch Dan Winkler teach on uh, the uh, Epistles of John. Because you know, if you've ever gone to the Freed Hardman lectures and tried to I don't know why they always put him yeah. in a small room, yeah. but you know, people are sitting almost on top of each other to be able to hear him. You don't have to do that. <laughs> exactly. Watch, watch him over the uh, the internet, but uh, that will also be available archived. I think when you mentioned streaming to congregations, they immediately draw up and they, oh no, we can't do that. That's that's way right. too much technology for us and. Uh, go. I want to talk to you specifically about that YouTube. Uh, channel streaming or YouTube streaming that you're, you guys are doing because I think that's a, I get a lot of questions for that and that's one of the things that I'm personally weak on. So what, what kind of system are y'all using there both at Southeast and maybe at, at Sweetwater? Well, the, the camera systems are different obviously because we've got a pretty mm -hmm. advanced system at Carnes, but uh, we've just got one camera set up at Sweetwater just for the basics right now. Mm -hmm. But uh, the system is the same when it comes to streaming. Now, this is something that's, it's one of those things, like I mentioned earlier, that's really advanced in the last several years because it used to be you had to use Ustream or Livestream or something like that. Uh, if, and you could use Ustream for free or could, but you had ads that would pop up in the middle of your video. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was kind of annoying, especially if you're trying to teach. And uh, the next thing that you're, you know, you're talking about modesty, and then an ad for Sandals Beach Resort pops up. Yeah, in the or some, of or your something lesson. worse. You're being you're being or conservative something here. Or something I've seen yeah. lots of things that were worse that pop up on some different. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, so you don't want that. And UStream is really kind of for most churches, I think, become prohibitively expensive mm -hmm. because the fact of the matter is, you're maybe going to have two or three or ten viewers at the most uh, live for most congregations. It's just mm -hmm. the, the nature of the way things are. Uh, and then there's no really good archiving solution and things like that. Livestream is free, but it cuts you back on a lot of features that you would use. There was Justin.tv, but it's kind of fallen yep. by the wayside in recent years. And then YouTube got smart, finally, and decided to start offering not only Google Hangouts, which is where it started, but now live streaming through YouTube. And the advantage to that is that uh, you can use the Google Hangouts interface to live stream on, through YouTube to your YouTube channel if you want, and it's completely free, no ads in it or anything. But what we do, and this is, I think, the best way to do it, we use a program called Adobe Flash Media Encoder. It's a free download from Adobe, 
And if you use the custom settings whenever you create a live event, and I won't go into all the details of that, but if you go and enable your account for live events, you go and create a live event, you've got an option to do the event through Google Plus or, or through Google Hangouts or to do custom ingestion. If you choose that custom setting, you can use Adobe Flash Media Encoder. You can actually download a profile that sets up Media Encoder for you and it connects to your account. And all you do is you select the camera system on your computer, you hit start in Adobe Flash Media Encoder, then you log into YouTube and you hit a couple of buttons to start it there and you're live streaming on YouTube with no watermark and you can do it for free for up to eight hours. And it automatically archives what it is that you stream. So I say that and one thing to mention along those lines, if you are streaming your services, one other option in there that you want to make sure you get the box check is to make the video private after the streaming ends because mm -hmm. even if you have a CCLI streaming license, you don't have that for posting it to YouTube for archiving purposes. Exactly. So uh, what I'll do is, you know, for instance, Sunday before Sunday, uh, I will set up the uh, the live event. So if somebody has subscribed to our YouTube channel, they can see that it's coming up. They can actually go to the watch page if they want to. Uh, and the other neat thing I'll mention is you can view it on your iPhone, iPad, Android, computer, and really neat things now. If you have an Apple TV or a Roku, uh, Roku has a YouTube app now, and you can actually uh, do a version. It's not AirPlay, but it's like AirPlay. Mm -hmm. I can bring up a video on my iPhone. Yep. And, and I do, love that feature because we yeah. watch movie trailers. Bonnie and I watch movie trailers, and we have a Roku in the in the living room, and right. they added that feature on the YouTube app to be able to do right. that. So. And that that to me makes video streaming a much more viable thing for a congregation because now people can watch it in some place besides being glued to their t their computer monitor. Yep, exactly. But, uh, you know, it's it's as simple as that. It's just a few steps. Once you get it set up, then it's uh, then it's ready to go. And uh, there's a, if you go to youtube.com slash editor, there's actually a YouTube video editor. Mm -hmm. So you can, for your videos that you have on your account, you can clip the beginning and the end off. And that's what I do to where I clip it down to where it's just me preaching. Yeah, edit it and right there in the browser. Edit in the browser and hit Don't a button to, to publish it. Yep, it's great. Within an hour, it's published and it's live. And it's on YouTube. The advantage to that, too, is that you can tag it and people actually find things on YouTube. <laughs> exactly. You know? People find things on YouTube. And, and whereas right. these other video services that some people like to use, even Vimeo, I have not found, yeah. is, is not uh, YouTube. It's not user-friendly to find things. And let's be honest, Google owns YouTube. They're going to make YouTube yeah. uh, more of a priority when people go uh, searching right. for their sites and stuff. So yeah, Right. Well, it's like Steve Higginbotham just a few weeks ago did a lesson on the uh, Heaven is for Real book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and that kind of idea of near-death experiences or so-called near-death experiences, I think within a couple of days, just because of the title of that lesson and that it was on YouTube, because he's preaching there at Carnes and they're using the system I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. had 400 and something views. Wow. Because if somebody searches in Google for Heaven is for Real, it not only will, if you might know this before, you'll get not only website search results, but it'll also sometimes show up a little option there for here's images related to this, mm -hmm, here are YouTube videos uh -huh. related to this. And sometimes and it'll so, put those right at the top as well. Right. So you have a higher likelihood of having your videos found which makes it actually worthwhile to post them. And that's yeah. accessible to anyone in the world too. So. Right. 
very, very so, uh, that's a huge thing, and we do that here at Sweetwater. And uh, I know we're running, kind of starting to run out of time right now. No, here, we're good. We're good. You keep going. Okay. A couple of things I wanted to mention, too, on the website of things that we do at Sweetwater, because I've just got their, the website for the church here set up in the last couple of weeks. It's uh, sweetwatercfc.org if anybody wants to check it out. But um, I, I used to host our podcasting and everything on our own servers, and I would use WordPress and plugins and stuff. I've actually changed my mind on that just recently, and uh, for our sermon audio only, I'm going to be using, at least for the foreseeable future, a service called Podbean. And uh, the advantage of that, it's a paid service, but the advantage is that, of course, they host it, but uh, I can connect it to iTunes like I was doing before. Uh, but, you know, how many people nowadays, they have Android phones. iTunes really doesn't do them a whole lot of good yeah. on their phones. Yeah. Uh, the advantage to Podbean is somebody can actually go to our website and uh, they can click on our link to our sermons there and they go to the Podbean page. I just got a uh, redirect, got that link there for them to go. And uh, the neat thing is, say you open it up on your Android phone, it opens it up in a web browser with a mobile view, and you can play my sermons on your Android phone without any problem, or your whatever phone it might happen to be. You can do that within your browser. You don't even have to subscribe to it in iTunes or anything like that. So very cool. That makes it more accessible for people because you know, again, most people are going to be listening to a podcast when, when they're driving down the road or mm -hmm. uh, cleaning their house or something like that. If they do it on their phone. Uh, the the huge market for Android phones there. You know, if I'm just doing something through iTunes, unless somebody is able to and technologically savvy enough to go and grab my RSS feed and then import that feed into their feed. And and 95 percent of people podcast. are not going to be yeah. Be able most to know people that. aren't going to do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I can provide it to them through our browser. Uh, the browser on their phone, and they can listen to it that way. Well, that's a that's a great point to make because you've got to, if you're doing anything with technology these days, you've got to appeal to both Android and iOS users because, uh, you know, for a while there was a majority iOS users, and now it's about half and half. Yeah. Uh, Android is coming and really coming up with all the different uh, phones and different uh, services that they have as well. Right, and it's also, you know, Android is still, for better or worse, a, a really fragmented platform. Mm -hmm. And so doing something within a browser keeps it safer for more phones to be able to be compatible with it and, and to, to keep up with you that way, too. So uh, one other thing I'll mention along those lines, we're not using here, but I've used in the past, is a service called Mixler. It's M-I-X-L-R. It's free audio streaming. So maybe if you're at a congregation like I was before, that your Internet connection is really slow and mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to do video, uh, you can still live stream, just live stream audio. And uh, they have an iPhone, iPad app. And actually what I would do is I would just use my iPad. Well, it's an iPhone app that I installed on my iPad. If you know how to do that, you can do that. Yeah. And uh, I would just set my iPad up there on the podium with me and start the app and stream it um, using the microphone on my iPad. So uh, it's a really simple option for people to be able to stream. There, there's just a lot more options now for people to be able to get what's going on in their building outside the walls of their building, uh, both live and in a recorded yeah, way. Absolutely, so. absolutely right. 
Um, as we kind of uh, wrap up the show today, I want to talk about a few um, apps and services that you you personally use, a couple of your favorites. Uh, just kind of nail some of those down for us. All right. Uh, one that I just started using because I was, uh, I've been forever searching for the perfect to-do app. Uh, I've, I've read uh, Getting Things Done. I don't know if any of our listeners have ever read Getting Things Done before. I actually no, I've read, have read that. I say, I say I've read it. I've read the first part of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was really happening. It's, it's, com- it's very complex and philosophical at, at right. most points of it. So, so uh, anyway, I, I follow that uh, getting things done mentality on what it is that I do. And uh, Todoist is an app that uh, I just found that Dale Jenkins had uh, posted on his blog about. And uh, I really love using it because I can set up projects, I can rearrange uh, tasks. So if you've done, if you're doing the getting things done thing, you know all about projects mm-hmm. and save for later. I can tag things and I can uh, do my next action list for the day and rearrange things into next actions the way that I want to do them. So. And we, uh, we need to face it, we're, we may be busy, but we're not necessarily as busy as needing an app like OmniFocus that costs no. you know, 20 or 30 or $50 to use. And, and I'm, right. I'm an OmniFocus user, but at the same time, there are apps that uh, like to do this, and I've checked it out as well, that uses just a simple mentality of you have a project managing list, you have some to-do list functions, you have some due date functions, and that's really about it. And that's all most people need. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so, because, uh, again, I want it to be simple. I've looked at OmniFocus, and I've used a half a dozen other apps that are more complex, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I really like Todoist because it's multi-platform and uh, really easy to keep up with. Uh, no list would be complete without Evernote, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use it as an archival type thing. I used to use it more for study notes and stuff like that, but, but now I just put things I want to save in there. I don't reference it as much as I used to. Uh, I just know that I've got it in Evernote somewhere, and I can easily find it if I ever want to look for it later. To me, Evernote uh, is a bucket. Right. You, you right. throw it. It's not necessarily a filing cabinet. You just throw it in there as a bucket, and maybe you have it organized in notes, and maybe you don't. Right. Uh, also, and I got this one from you actually. A simple note for just doing quick lists of uh, a, a quick idea that comes to me for something, or. Um, you know, a, a shopping list or whatever it might happen to be. Mm-hmm. I really like Simple Note for that. Uh, I am a dedicated Dropbox user for a host of reasons. There are other services that are less expensive and stuff, but the fact of the matter is most apps that have integrated functionality with cloud services still use Dropbox. So I don't use it as an archive. I just use it like I would a thumb drive. Yep, me too. And keep a lot of things in that. Uh, pages, like I'm going to work on the bulletin here in just a few minutes. I do my bulletin in pages. It's about the only thing I do in pages anymore because uh, I do so much writing in Scrivener and stuff like that. Uh, I also have an Office 365 subscription which comes with OneDrive and uh, it's really handy uh, because not every place is friendly to Keynote or things like that. Mm-hmm. So I've got PowerPoint and honestly a Word document is right now for me the best archival option for my lessons because yeah. it, it will something will be able to open a Word document because it's so pervasive. Mm-hmm. You know, whoever who knows how far down the road. Yeah. It's just so it's smart to keep it in that. Uh, I mentioned Adobe Creative Cloud. I don't have all the apps installed on my Mac, but uh, a lot of them, and I love to use it uh, for video editing. Uh, you can use. 
iMovie, but I am a huge fan of Final Cut Pro X mm -hmm. and uh, Pro 10 is what it stands for. But uh, it's a, a come a long way since it was originally introduced, and so for uh, like the hashtag youth series that we used to do, things mm -hmm. like that, I edited this last year in Final Cut Pro. Any video projects I do anymore in Final Cut Pro, uh, and I'll use Apple Motion to do uh, take the place of after effects. I can do a lot of motion effects and graphics and stuff like that in motion. And uh, one app that really doesn't get used, and they just completely revamped it, is Apple Compressor. Mm -hmm. You can I compress love video, mm -hmm. you can compress audio, and uh, so that was one other thing I'll mention too in my workflow with uh, technology. Right now, I just record to YouTube, and then I use, uh, and I can't even remember the app, there's a ton of websites and apps that you can use to download an mp3 file of a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. So I download an mp3 of it, I bring it into Adobe uh, Audition and uh, clip the ends off of it if I need to, and, uh, and then I throw it in compressor and it spits it out as the mp3 file that goes on the website. But you know, I, just, I just rip our audio off of the YouTube video. It it's, keeps things simple to where I only have one thing to worry about recording, and that is getting our YouTube streaming and recording up and going. Very cool. Dealing with it all in post. So that's just that's most of what I use, I guess, anymore. Very cool. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We're gonna uh, have a prayer. We want to mention your um, your websites that you mentioned. You do wedopreaching.com. That's uh, your um, the Southeast Bible College Southeast, yep. right there, and then you've got your mdanielhowell dot com, correct? Right, and uh, that's your and, personal blog and and different things like that. And then Sweetwater's website is sweetwatercofc.org. Okay. Anything else you want to plug? Uh come to Southeast <laughs> if you can. <laughs> You're in the area. Southeast Southeast is um is near it's in Knoxville, Tennessee. In Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. Cars, Tennessee. So. Very cool. Well, let's have a, we uh, a prayer as we end, and uh, then we'll uh, close out the show. All right. Okay. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful day that you have blessed us with. Thank you so much for Daniel and his knowledge and, and experience and his talents with technology, Lord. And please help us to always use technology for uh, the betterment of your kingdom, for the uh, prolonging of your kingdom, Lord. And, and please help us to use it to reach others, and to help glorify you in, in all respects of our life and no matter what tools we use, Lord. Thank you so much for Daniel. Thank you so much for his influence and his attitude. And please help him as a preacher. Please help him as a, him as a person, as a Christian, uh, to develop spiritually, to keep his family uh, uh, safe and, and safe spiritually as well. And we thank you so much for him and his, uh, his well-being uh, and everything in your church. Lord, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for his sacrifice. Thank you so much for all the things that you have given us, all the talents that you have given all of us, all the things that you have, uh, the minds in which to cultivate and look at your word and, and, and reach people with the gospel. Please help us to always do that. Help us to never fail uh, or forget our mission, Lord. Thank you so much for everything. It's in Jesus' name that we pray this prayer. Amen. Amen. Daniel, thank you so much for uh, being yeah. on the show. and. Um, we thank you so much for listening, and uh, you can find show notes for this episode. I believe this is episode 15, so you'll be able to find that at chadl.co slash zero, I'm sorry, slash mbits slash zero one five. And then um, you can like our page on Facebook, like our, uh, follow us on Twitter, 
And you can download now the AIM app and listen to us directly on the AIM app. So make sure you go do that. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. And um, Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here, and we will see you again next week.